Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. On this week's episode, we welcome Danny Eichenhorst from Hustle Hospitality Group. Before we get to Danny, I want to thank my sponsors. First, Synchrony HR, NWO IT Services, and Grit by Jennifer Bardot. And now to this week's episode with Danny Eichenhorst. Danny, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you taking some time to meet with me a few weeks back and then now uh, coming on the show to record an episode. I uh, loved your story and thought, well, what a better way to, to share it than being on the STL Leaders Podcast. So uh, let's kind of dive in there. Talk to me about growing up and uh, what brought you to St. Louis, Missouri? Oh, absolutely. And first, let me just say, I love the concept of what you're doing here. So thank you for the opportunity. You've had some really impressive people on here. So oh, for you. sure. Thank, thank you. you. <laughs> um, so I think, you know, uh, growing up and what brought me to St. Louis, I think a lot of leaders face some sort of adversity. So that that would be where my childhood was for me a little bit. But I think, you know, a lot of us, we, we experience something that teaches us to rise up and figure stuff stuff out when times are difficult. And if I, if you really probably talk in depth to a lot of your leaders, I'm sure they think, you know, you find that there's a common thread that there's some adversity. And, um, and for me, my childhood was that I grew up in central Illinois in a home with a parent that was dealing with a lot of generational abuse and trauma. And that often rains down on the kiddos. And, um, that was sort of my situation for sure growing up. And it, it honestly, it made me a very scrappy human being. <laughs> and uh, so it's it's not all bad. It's a, uh, you know, it, we made it through. It was definitely an unsafe, sort of unstable situation. And at 15, I took off and um and and left there. And I brought one of my siblings with me and and found a safer place to be with my dad. And um, you know, it took a while. And so you've got a, a lot of years of instability there. But what was really good was at the end of it, you have I got two and a half years of really awesome childhood. I, I got time with a, a dad who's an amazing business person and taught me the importance of making good decisions and the importance of hard work and um and and the importance of, of 
owning and protecting your reputation. And I got two and a half years with a a stepmom who is just the most generous spirit and really spent a lot of late nights up talking with me and and giving me guidance on relationships and adjusting to my new uh, environment here in St. Louis and, and uh, just guiding me through all this stuff like a mom should. And so um, it's really interesting when you, when you mentioned that you were going to ask me about that, I was like, oh gosh, that could be such a hairy question, but I realized (laughs) how much gratitude I have for that. Cause I'm like, you know, I got to grow up in a small town, then I got to come to the city and, you know, I got to deal with a little bit of instability for a long time. And then I got a really great childhood. And I think, you know, all of that really round rounded me out to, to be able to fit in any number of scenarios. Well, yeah, well, I mean, on top of that, I mean, it just makes your story that much more sweet, right? It just makes it that much more um, rewarding um, as we, you know, as we dive in here today about where you came to where you're at now and what you're doing for the community in St. Louis. It's just uh, just makes it that much sweeter. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into that. So share with the audience a little bit about your organization, Hospitality. Uh, Tell us about the restaurants you guys own and kind of just give us some guidance on kind of how, how that came to be. Oh, gosh, what a journey. Yeah. So Hustle Hospitality Group is basically the support organization behind a lot of your favorite restaurants. Um, we co-own Steve's Hot Dogs, uh, the Fountain on Locust. We just announced this week that we're opening a new concept, Steve's Meltdown at City Foundry. And we're oh, Yeah, I'm pretty excited about that one. That's, you know, the first one that I got to help create from scratch. So yeah. Um, that's that's a neat step for us. And we're um we you know, Steve's is in City Park, America Center, Enterprise Center, South Grand. Now we're opening a new location on Del Mar and the Fountain on Locust is getting a spin-off location on Del Mar as well in the Del Mar Makers District. So it's definitely a rapidly growing organization now with a lot of support for everybody, but all of that's been built in the last four years. And so it's been definitely a, a story of um of of growth and we we got the name hustle just because it was a scrappy start for us you know just like everything else in my life um you know uh we we used to own a marketing agency my husband and I called blank page consulting and we worked together and would consult with businesses and helping helping them have sound business practices and uh, financials in addition to a great marketing strategy and Steve Ewing was one of our clients and um and so at some point along the way, Steve reached out to us in 2020. And by that point, I was a COO for uh, for a spinoff of Keller Williams International. My husband was CFO. We were always in leadership somewhere. And um, and we got the call that he was, he just, you know, he's he's a really well-known musician. He's in a band called The Urge. They do a lot of, uh, he has his own robust music career outside of that band. And, and I think managing a restaurant and having that life was just too much and he was going to shut down Steve's hot dogs and we were very lucky that we had a really intimate knowledge of this brand and we knew how special it was and what a cool community he built up behind it and so when he told us he was re- wanting to close and asked if I could kind of do the press release and tell the story and let everybody know so that maybe they could come in one last time and enjoy it um I first said I said Yes, I've got you. I'll help you however you need. But, you know, if you're up for for figuring out how to save this, I'm also in it for that. You just let me know. And um, initially he just said, you know, I don't think I can do it anymore. Let's just let's just shut her down. And um, I just thought if he could see what I see, maybe he would change his mind. Yeah. And so I told the story in a really big way. We did a big 
video. I reached out to everybody we knew to help tell the story. Um, and we uh, had it on every news channel, probably in St. Louis within a day, most within an hour. And, um, and so, you know, as soon as he opened back up that Monday, it was Sunday at seven, we sent the press release. And as soon as he opened up on Monday, block and it was every day i think he probably made more money that week than he had in a year you know <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> but it was about wednesday of that week and he just he said you know what i let, like let's figure it out because he he really loved the kids that would come into the shop and um and he'd seen so many of them come to say goodbye it was really an emotional experience and he just thought if we can save it why not try and yeah so we went ahead and shut it down and did our due diligence and um and that changed our lives forever i mean it but like it it was it was a massive blessing it's a blessing to work with a really good friend every day but it's also to have had the opportunity to turn this thing around um has been unbelievable so yeah. um for us you know, we announced, of course, that we're we're reopening and we actually reopened like right March 1st, 2020 ish. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, so nothing about it was easy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I remember I remember uh, you and I chatting about that previously. And it was, you know, for you guys to go through this due diligence of relaunching and you shut it down and relaunching and then you you relaunch. Talk to us about that, right? March 1st of 2020. For those listening, I mean, you guys all know what happened in March of 2020. Uh, I got married, uh, barely, barely got married. <laughs> barely. Uh, by, by the skin of my teeth, you know, it was, it was, uh, it, my wife and I will tell you, it was a very stressful wedding, but we made it happen. Um, talk to us about the relaunch there. I mean, to relaunch in March 1st, how'd you guys sustain it? How'd you get through it? What, like, what were the contributing factors to be able to take, you know, all the work you'd done previously to relaunch this brand that already had a, obviously a very established knowledge and fan base and loyalty and customers, and then relaunch that to be like, oh, wait, the world's shutting down. Yeah. Yeah. There was, there was a lot that contributed to that. You know, first off, we didn't expect to own a business at their a restaurant at this point in our lives. So we had a lot of stuff planned out. I was, you know, going to San Diego for a, a conference for work. I was going to Hawaii for a vacation that had been planned for a really long time. So we we had a we had a whole life going on at this time. And and um we even called our doctor and said, hey, is it okay if we still travel? And our doctor's like, it's not going to be a big deal, this COVID <laughs> thing, like go ahead and uh just maybe bring masks. And so we did and we went to Hawaii and um and while we were there, we got the call that the restaurant was shut down and school would not be reopening. And it was just a really, obviously a really, for all of us, a really terror time. It was like yeah. sea turtles and terror is how I refer to that vacation. You know, you'd swim out to the ocean, calm down for a minute, go back in and like be like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? I bought a restaurant, um, you know, but, you know, it was a lot of partnership and, and good people and just sort of putting our heads down and doing the work. Steve, as a musician, obviously in that moment, lost all of his income if he didn't have the restaurant because there was no way he was going to be singing for anybody in that moment yeah. and um and so he was really dedicated to let's just keep the doors open one way or another i'll do the work so while i was stuck out of town he and his wife and his daughter masked up and they were you know blocked off the front door serving food out the front door and and got through a little bit day by day and as we're just sort of getting by and we finally we get home and quarantine and all that stuff then we started doing the work of, okay, let's look at our menu. Is it too 
heavy. Like, you know, do we need to streamline our menu to make this a more solid business when this COVID thing's over? And, you know, we had no employees because everyone had been laid off in the shutdown. And so it was really just all of us doing the work and then slowly pulling people back in and just trying to be really smart about every decision we made. And we applied for grants. We received a $25,000 grant from Discover Card. We started doing a community give back program called Feed the People during that time where we would um, ask customers if they would, you know, it actually just started with a customer who very sweetly reached out and said, I'd like to buy three meals. And if you can give them to anybody in your neighborhood who could use them, just please do. I know this is a really hard time. And at that time we were tucked into a neighborhood. And so we saw a lot of need and we actually became a place where people who didn't want to venture out to the grocery store would like come and pick up a lot of food and take it home so they could stay in for a couple of days. And so we started doing this give back program and got noticed by Marcus Limonis from CNBC. He had a, a television show um, where he would go in and revamp businesses. He's like the a profit. business hero of mine. Yeah, he's amazing. <laughs> he's just his business brain's un unbelievable. And he he gave us twenty thousand dollars to support that program. And, and it was just literally like all these little things and all the good people in our universe added up to something that worked. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing yeah. just, you know, how you guys are able to, I always use the words weather the storm because that's what it felt like. I mean, um, to your point, I mean, I mentioned just a minute ago, my wife and I got married on March 20th and uh, we were in Scottsdale, Arizona. And, um, you know, that was the week that President Trump came out and said, well, we got to shut the country down for two weeks. And it's like, wait, what? We're supposed to get married in five days. Uh, yeah. Which, you know, looking back, it's like that was the least of you know, like that's, I seem like such a small issue when you're thinking about, you know, rest people like restaurants, you're thinking about employees who are trying to figure out, okay, how do I get income so that I can pay my rent, my car, you know, all of those types of things. It was 2020 was, I think, definitely a challenging year for a lot of people in a lot of different variety of ways, but especially for small businesses. I mean, uh, I remember Barstool Sports. I don't remember if you ever remember what, what they did during 2020, but they were big supporters of local pizza shops. And so they were raising money for these local pizza shops and they like raised $500,000 to keep some of these pizza, little pizza shops in the country open. Um, and so to your point, like, you know, Marcus Lamones and these, these people just helped the whole community here in St. Louis kind of rally and come together. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's kind of, I mean, you look back on it, obviously some businesses were lost, but a lot of businesses were saved because of the community that supported them. That's it. That's it. That's why when when COVID was over, we were just like, we're never going to stop this program if we can help it. And so now that Feed the People program that was like three meals here and there, now we do about ten to $12,000 a year and meals wow. that we're able to give back to people in the community. And, and in part, because it really was, if, if the community hadn't come out in the first place to support Steve's, he wouldn't have seen that there was all the love behind this brand and decided to save it. And then beyond that, throughout 2020 and even into 2021, it was all those same people that were like, I'm going to make sure you're OK. I'm going to make sure you're OK. And they kept coming back and supporting us in different ways. And so we absolutely sort of feel this this debt of gratitude to everybody for, you know, for for rallying behind us. And, and we try to pay it back as much as we can. Yeah, no, that's really cool. That's really cool. Let's talk a little bit about something else we chatted about at breakfast, which was um, the city of St. Louis, right? Obviously, a lot of your uh, uh, restaurants and businesses are in the St. Louis city area. 
Um, obviously, Saint, the city of St. Louis, uh, you know, I've I've basically I live, grew up in Edwardsville, Illinois, but I've you know, that's 15 minutes from the city of St. Louis. So uh, the city has changed drastically since I was a child. And unfortunately, I would not necessarily say for the good. It's you obviously had some challenging years. But I also would say in that same breath that I think the city is starting to come back, thankfully. I think, you know, the foundry is a prime example of that. The uh, the armory, there, I mean, there's things at Ballpark Village. I mean, there's a lot of things that are really exciting that are happening in St. Louis. Um, and so talk to me about how one thing I really liked about our conversation was how you didn't realize owning these restaurants was going to give you a platform to do better for the city of St. Louis than, than originally had you kind of really thought. So talk to me a little bit about that. Talk to uh, talk to the audience about kind of that conversation you and I had and how being in the position you're in now actually gives you more um, more ability to, to be part of the solution to the city of St. Louis instead of uh, where you were at previously. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting. I St. Louis has always been a really special place for me. Having actually grown up in Illinois and, and Central Illinois, this was where we came for, for vacation. And so the St. Louis that you think back on, that's the St. Louis I still see. Um, you know, it's just I, I being able to raise my two kiddos here felt like sort of a dream come true. I'm like, are you kidding me? All these places that were like the thing I looked forward to all year long, we can just do on a Tuesday, right. you know, and and like, I still see it. And I, and, um, and so, you know, as soon as I got here and I got my roots under me and, and became an adult, I like went right into places that would put me in a position to do some sort of good. I was the communications person for Salvation Army, um, working uh, to do a lot of good in the community there for a long time. And then I became the communications director for Great Rivers Greenway, which is literally their entire mission is making the St. Louis region a better place to live. And they're doing it and they do amazing work. And honestly, their mission has become my personal mission, um, you know, in so many ways. And I, I learned through those roles that what I really love is being able to drive around the city of St. Louis, look around and be like, look at that. I was able to make that happen or be a part of it or be a part of a team that made that thing happen. Like being able to physically see an impact that's moving St. Louis forward in some way means a lot to me. And so, yeah, when we got these restaurants, um, you know, I was, I didn't anticipate how, how many opportunities would come our way to be a part of different things in the community. And right now I serve on the, I helped establish and serve on the board for the Midtown Alley Business Alliance. I serve on the, we serve on the South Grand Cultural Alliance board. I'm on a bunch of boards, but we're doing really great work. And, and at the same time, I'm able to establish a lot of relationships with, um, people in government and just share with them our experience. For example, the liquor license process in here, here in St. Louis, you know, it, it really disinvites investment. Um, for a long time, even now, I think it can take up to nine months to get your liquor license. If you look Boy, at wow. other cities, I know it's like, it, it's a one month process in any other city. And here it costs thousands of dollars and, and it can be very discriminatory. Oddly, it can be sort of dangerous if you are a woman or, or a person of color trying to go through this process, going door to door in the city and, and getting the responses some people get. I mean, it's a very, it's a, it's been a very arduous process. And certainly I've heard and known many people choose not to invest in the city of St. Louis because of that issue. And so just being able to to speak up and say, guys, this has to change. And for people to listen means a lot. And it, you know, there's been a, a lot of time when right now we're in the final stages of a piece of legislation that's going to fix that issue. Um, and I hope 
for the better in every way. I, my hope is that it, it not only makes it easier for restaurateurs to get their liquor license, but it also makes it um, uh, such that neighborhoods don't have to deal with nuisance restaurateurs either. <laughs> that's that's the goal, right? And and so um, and so it's been one of those things where I vacillate between wanting to run for office and um, realizing that there is a lot of power in just being who I am. Every day I get to impact the lives of at least a hundred people in a really meaningful way, looking at our body of employees. Um, and I know that I'm making a difference for them, but yeah. you know, every day these opportunities come around. And I also serve on the National Small Business uh, Association uh, at the federal level advocating for small businesses. Um, and I'm hoping that that too comes to benefit St. Louis through all the action that we're taking there. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, my piece of advice is don't run for office because you probably have more uh, ability to help by not being in office. It seems like you put somebody in office and the next thing you know, it's like they just get sucked into the system, it seems like sometimes. Right. But what I love about what, you, so just, right. what you just said is, uh, you know, like those are things that I would never know that it takes nine months to get a liquor license. And to to your very valid point. If I'm going to invest in a business and it take it's it's a extremely process to get that liquor license versus maybe St. Louis County is easier. I, I don't know. But that's the things that that hurt the city, right? And so to your point, when I think about the city of St. Louis, I still think about the McDonald's boat that was on the river where I would go and get happy meals at, right? That's unfortunately no longer there. I I, I can remember yes. my mom was a, a VP for AT&T for a long time. And so I would go to her office and you know, from the work uh take your kid to work days. We'd walk around the city. And I mean, I I love the city. I still do love the city. And I truly believe that it can get back to there. I really, I truly do believe it. I think, but to your point, it takes people like yourself to say, hey, city, nine months to get a liquor license. No wonder people aren't investing, right? Those types of things. And, you know, that's just one example. But uh, I love that example because it just shares with the community here um, about, you know, how people like yourselves are actually making the impact to what makes St. Louis so great. When I started this podcast, I, I started obviously in the middle of COVID, uh, June of 2020. And my whole, my whole reason, for, st reason for, for starting the podcast was because I said, look, there's so much negativity and bad press and people are dying from COVID. And there's the election here that people are like screaming over. And you like, if you were a Republican, you couldn't talk to a Democrat. And if you were a Democrat, you took to talk Republican. It's like, can we not just be all like citizens that want this country to be great instead of having to pick sides or whatever? And so I started this podcast. I was like, because the leaders like you, Danny, and the leaders that I've had on the show, they're the ones that impact St. Louis and make St. Louis what it is, not necessarily the elected officials, right? It's it's people like you, it's people like me, it's people like, you know, uh, John that I've had on here. I mean, it's, it's those people who are investing in our city that makes St. Louis so amazing. And so... Uh, I yeah. love I love that a part of our breakfast when we when we spoke. I you know it's funny I that you're so right about the sometimes you do have a lot more power as an outsider when I when I was in government and when I was in nonprofits you can only say what you think so much right and uh, and when I ended up leaving and starting my own agency and being a consultant for those same organizations I suddenly had a voice that people wanted to listen to because they were paying per hour exactly. <laughs> you know, and, and, in a different way. And so I had the ability to go in there and, and play dumb in a lot of ways and pretend like I didn't know the politics in the room just to be able to say the truth. Because I think at the end of the day, I have this, this belief that uh, I may not always be doing it perfectly, but my goal is that we do 
the right thing because it's the right thing, right? And I'm not really, I'm not really one of those people that buys into a lot of political bargaining and favor owing and all of those things. I think we should just do the right thing because it's the right thing. Yeah, agreed, <laughs> agreed, agreed. So, let me ask you a quick question. When I was preparing for this podcast, I thought, well, you know, being in your shoes, having Steve's hot dogs and having the fountain on locust, I bet there's been some times where you've either a got to meet some pretty cool people because of of what you've what you've got. Uh, but also just some really cool memories. And so if you look back at the last, you know, I guess almost well, four years now since you kind of got into this space, uh, which obviously gave you the ability to to become the owner of Fountain on Locust, what would you say is your favorite memory? And maybe it's not somebody you may, you've met, but if you look back at the kind of this hustle that you've had for four years to get where you're at and the, the growth mm -hmm. that you've had, like what's been your favorite memory? You know, I, I initially what comes to mind is is when Amazon's film studios reached out to us and asked us to do some partnerships with them. Those those have been some really fun memory moments for me and for our staff. We got to do Coming to America too, where we were sort of oh. virtual premiere guests on their thing during COVID. That's a lot of fun. But the the thing that really stood out for me when I was really preparing for this was was City Park. Um, gosh, I knew like, you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. You know, I'm a fan. Oh my gosh, like I. I did not care about a single sport in my life, um, but somehow going through that process, like like the city of St. Louis, when they said, who do you want in City Park? We were far and away the first choice that everybody submitted. And that was uh, on its own humbling. Like that at the end of the day, I'm just so grateful for that. Um, but then for City Park and, and the St. Louis City SC group to like listen to that and give us a chance. And, and not only that, but let us be a part and sit at the table at the creation of all of this stuff. And, and really just being in the room and being a fly on the wall through that process meant so much to all of us and then and then being there with this team from the very beginning and not missing a moment and suddenly becoming like a rabid soccer fan who goes on the road and goes to see sports what like, you know, like <laughs> all of it like I, yeah. i'm counting down the days till we're back at it next week uh you know and and so i think that for me and i i think i bet you steve would agree like that's been one of the most special things that has happened to us in this whole journey yeah, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that based off our last conversation. And this is a prime example of like the city of St. Louis, like what they've done uh, with, well, the enterprise family, the city, the community, the fans, how everybody has come together on that project to make, to your point, an experience. It, I mean, it's more than just a soccer game. I mean, if you have, if you're listening to this episode and you have not been to City Park or you've not oh been to the STL City game, uh, you got to go. I mean, you literally have to go. It's an environment that I, I mean, I don't even know how to describe it. it it's like hockey game on steroids. I mean, it's like yes. you're standing, you're singing, you're high-fiving your neighbor who you don't know. And it's like, it's just this thrill from the whole, from the time that ball drops to the last minute. And, and the other cool thing to your point is what this, what, you know, what the city park all the vendors are, are local St. Louis vendors, right? Like you've got four yes. hands for beer. You've got, I mean, it's what they did was incredible. And not only that, but the surrounding area around it right now, you got the pitch on the corner. Uh, Maggie O'Brien's redid their area and that whole little area union station around there is booming, um, which is so yes. exciting to the city. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. And I just think they've done it right every yeah. step of the way. Like, you know, we, we expected there would be some hiccups when we got in there and sure a little bit of, on the technology side, we were figuring things out, but like, 
honestly, it's been so smooth from, from the beginning. And you, when you think about it, it's effectively like a billion dollar startup. I mean, yeah. this is just a group of people that wanted to do this thing and they've done it so beautifully. And it's been just such an honor to be in the room. Yeah. And hats off to them for how they've done it. I mean, if, again, you've been to games, I've been to games. It's it's the community comes together. And I mean, it's hard to get a ticket, right? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm on the waiting list still for season tickets. And as soon as I get the option, I will buy them, which is so cool <laughs> to see the city kind of really come together and support the franchise and the organization and the and all the community uh, involvement that's in the stadium. Yeah, well. yeah. I, I totally agree. So, Danny, I was in this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with a piece of advice. And so that can be anything business, personal, whatever you want to share with the audience that's going to listen to this episode. What would you share? Slow down. <laughs> and that's funny coming from me because I'm opening three restaurants in the next 60 days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but just I, I, you know, when I, I was thinking back, you and I talked a little bit about leadership and and our leadership journeys. And I started off as a terrible leader. And I took a, a really long journey to figure out how to be a good leader, but it was intentional and I figured it out. Um, and along the way, you know, part of it was me not knowing how to pour into people and how to grow them. And now I do thank, thank God. Um, uh, but, but also the other piece was like, I just go, go, go. And I think a lot of us do that and you can burn yourself out and you can also sort of lose your intentionality and focus in the process and not, not even, you think you're, you're going in the right direction, but you don't really go in the right direction because you lose, you just lose focus. So I would say the thing that I know a lot of leaders struggle with these days is just the ability to take a minute. If it's 10 minutes, just to think about the work that you're doing and put it in focus, or if it's a half an hour to go meditate somewhere or take a hike, like take the time. Like that's for me, that's one of the most important parts of my daily routine is my meditation. And uh, it's non-negotiable and it helps me quiet all the things that are happening and all the opportunities that are coming our way and really think about what's important and where we should be going next. Yeah. What phenomenal advice. Uh, I need to take your advice. Uh, I am, you know, I, I am one of those guys that works probably seven days a week. My phone's always in my hand. If a client's emailing or something, I'm responding. Um, and I, I've tried to intentionally this year use the focus groups on the iPhone to where when I oh, walk yeah. into the house, uh, there's, I have a two hour block where my phone will not ring or anything for two hours so that I can enjoy my children, my wife, right? Uh, because you get into this cycle, like you're saying, where you just go, 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 go. And you're trying to sell the next deal. You're trying to do this. You're trying to do that. And you look back and your kids are like, daddy, put down the phone. And that's mm -hmm. like, no, heart wrenching. Right. And so I love the advice of slow down because you're right. You can go hundred miles an hour, but you still got to take time for yourself. You still got to take time for your family. You still got to take time to make sure what you're doing and the hundred miles per hour you're going is intentional. And so I love that piece of advice. Yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I just, I think for me, that was a, a game changer and honestly, probably a lifesaver. Like the, we can, it's been a big, it's been a big change shifting over into this industry where I do have to work a little bit every day of the week and, and wrapping my brain around that was hard and I yeah. fought it for a long time. Um, but, but figuring out how, what's, what's your version of balance and how can you find it and make space for yourself and make space for your family? That's, that's the ticket. Once you figure that out, you're, you're going to be okay. Absolutely. Well, Danny, on behalf of the STL Leaders Podcast, thank you for being such a great STL leader. Uh, thank you for the investment that you continue to pour into our city and all the good work you're doing for our city. Um, and again, thank you for sharing your story here with us today on the STL Leaders Podcast. My pleasure. Thank you.